0: You know everything about us, for there is nothing hid from you. And yet, Lord, we're the ones who are always trying to act like an Adam and hide from you. Yet, Lord, you knew exactly where Adam was hiding. And you know where we're hiding, and you know why we're hiding. And I pray, Father, that you'll bring us out of our hiding and meet with you face to face and to talk with you and to learn how much you love us. The scripture says we love you because you first loved us. But Lord, that love is contagious. When we begin to acknowledge how much you love us, it's amazing what happens in our hearts in returning that love to you. Lord, minister to us. Help us, Lord, to be the people who you have called out from the world. Help us to be a people who will walk uprightly with you. Help us to be a people who gladly keep your commandments and keep your word. Help us to be a people who are not ashamed of you, but are willing to acknowledge you and to allow others to know that our blessings come from you. Lord, minister to us this morning. As we sit at your feet, would you teach us? Would you open our hearts and our minds that we might hear from you? Would you somehow, Lord, not allow us to just be hearers of your word, but that, Lord, you'll bring us to that place where we are doers of your word, we're participating in your word, we're actually, Lord, living out your word because you said your word is a living word. Would you minister to us? Would you bless us again and again and again? Would you cause us, Lord, to be amazed at your wonderful work in our lives and in the lives of others? Lord, you are God, you are our Savior. You're the one who lives and dwells in us. Minister to us. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, besides the funeral being a blessing, the other day I had a blessing of two young men who came into the office. Uh, And they were from North Korea. Having a hard time with their English, but we were able to understand each other. And uh, they come to America here to bring Jesus. Their church in North Korea and some other churches have band together to bring a witness of Jesus. America. Now that sounds strange, doesn't it? And uh, they usually do what they do up in Cleveland, but Cleveland did not have a place this year for them, and they've done it for four or five years up in Cleveland. But all the places are filled after COVID has somewhat lifted. All those places are filled and they couldn't get in. So they come to E.J. Thomas and they're going to perform there. Over a 200 mass choir on September the 19th, they're going to put on the show The Birth of Christ. They call it Act One, the opera, The Birth of Christ. Act Two, the musical, act three is the message by their pastor, Long Korea, act three, the choir and the orchestra. And they asked me if they could use our kitchen to cook for 200 folks. And they will do the cooking here, Korean style, and take the food to E.J. Thomas for their people to eat. And my question to the young man, how did you find our church? How did you, and he said, we asked around about th- three different people, said, check Lions,' check Ackerman check Chuck check Lions." There gotta be some churches bigger than us with some much larger kitchens than we have. And I told them if it's for the kingdom of God, uh we'll accommodate because it's for the kingdom of God. And so they would use the kitchen on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, to feed 200 members of this program that they put on. But I want you to take note of something. When I watched it on video, in the stadiums that they've played in, these are all the different states in which they've gone. It is professional, top-notch. Now, they may not be able to speak English, but they can sing English very well. (laughs) And uh, it's just amazing. But the thing that really struck me, free. Free. And I asked them, why is it free? Because Jesus gave himself to us freely. And boy, I scratched my own head. Most of the time churches put something on, they want. And here they're coming from Korea, had to pay their own way over here, visiting all these different states, putting this program on, and it's free. That'll say something to American churches. And uh, he said, we'll give you the tickets for the people of your church that want to come. you got to have a ticket to get in, but you don't have to pay for the ticket. They have entertained audiences up to 25,000. Because of COVID, the government put them down to 10,000. And it's just amazing. And what I could not get out of my mind for a little bit, you're coming from Korea to be a witness in the United States. Boy, what is that saying about our own country? Where are we with Jesus? And I pray that we would even take note of this that God is blessing his people around the world. Those who want to carry that message somewhere, he will enable them to do it. And he'll open doors for them. And as we gathered in my office to pray, the young man said, now we got to bring our lead pastor in and he has to do the final approval I said, that's fine, you just call me and we'll meet. But here is a group from Korea bringing Jesus and wanting America to know Jesus. Boy, that's saying something. That's saying something. And it's free. That speaks value. Because America is used to what? We charge for almost everything. And he says, free. Isn't that a blessing? And I, and I hope when we get tickets, you'll run down to E.J. Thomas on the 19th. And uh, I'm looking for the time. At 7 p.m. Monday, September the 19th, 2022, at 7 p.m. Amen? All right. Let's get into God's Word. Have you ever heard... Oh, five o'clock. What happens at 5 o'clock today? Prayer. How many of you know how to pray? 5 o'clock, we pray. Now, what we're going to pray for is this. Other churches... So if you don't know any other churches, go to your telephone book under churches and pick out at least three or four churches that you can pray for. Because we're going to pray for other churches here in the Akron area. Then we're going to pray for the lost in the Akron area. And then we're going to pray just praising God for who he is. Amen. Uh, 6, do do 6, I'll give you an extra hour. I said 5 to get you here where you wouldn't be late. (laughs) 6 o'clock in the bulletin. It's 6 o'clock. Thank you, Donna. Well, as we look at God's word, I want to ask this question. How many of you ever heard somebody say, I'm scared to read the book of Revelation? That the book of Revelation frightens me. And boy, we're going to go back to chapter 18 because, again, God just pulled out this one little phrase that's been hammering on me for the last week here, since last week, that we go back, because at first I was going, okay, we ended last week, I was going to go into something else, but we're going to go back to this one phrase, and we're going to try to work through it to see how God is going to work through it. And people say they're scared when they say this book is the only book that promises a blessing if you read it. So when you read Revelation chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3, it promises a blessing to you if you read it. Secondly, in chapter 22 of Revelations, it says the spirit and the bride. Who's the bride? That's us says, come, come. Saying, come to who? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Now, we don't want these things to happen. And we want to get out of here. We want to run. We just want to not have any of these troubles that are going to take place in the book of Revelation. But yet, Jesus says for us, to pray, come Lord Jesus. Knowing this, he's not going to come till these things, what? Take place. So how many of us are praying, come Lord. Or Lord, I don't want to go through anything. Hold off, Lord, hold off. Now we know the rapture is going to take place, but the thing is it we don't know when. Hey. We can guess at it and we can say this and we can say that but Jesus says no man knows the day or the hour. So we know it's going to take place. Now go back to Revelation with me for a moment in 18 go to verse 4 and even in this time as we heard as God's blessing, understand this, God is keeping you. God's keeping, God's providing. God's working, God's doing. Is he not the same God of yesterday? Is he not the same God of today? Will he not be the same God in the future? For he is the God that changes the Not. Is he the same God who makes promises and keeps them, not just only in the church age, but because it's his word, he will what? He will keep it. And somehow we forget that. That God honors his word. So in 18, in verse 4, he again Shares with us. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, in the sins of Babylon. God is always calling his people out of the world. God's always calling his people out of messes. God is always calling his people out of different situations. Why? We are holy and he separates us from the world. He's always calling us out. But look at what he says here, and this is the line that somewhat has captivated me. So that you will not receive any of her plagues. And guess what? None of us want to be under the first seven plagues or the trumpets. And my prayers too, I'm out of here, time the bowls start coming. But he says, none of these plagues will harm you. Now it doesn't say it won't affect you. But it won't harm you. It won't be so devastated that it kills you. That the plagues that would take place is not meant to kill you, but the unbelievers, the uh, the followers of the Antichrist. Now, does that mean that none of us die? Well, if you read the book of Revelation, a lot of us die. But it's by death of the Antichrist putting us to death. We're martyrs. One of the blessed things that we hear sometime after a crisis. After the f- flood down in Kentucky, the news don't really show this too much, but it happens to Christians and non-Christians who lost homes. The non-Christians complain they lost everything. They lost everything. A couple of the Christians says, we lost it, but we can replace it but God spared our lives. Do we hear the difference in the testimony? And do you hear the difference of the hope that is in the individuals? Now, I want you to go with me to Romans 14. Romans 14. Now, and I want you to ask this question, is this true or not true? Is God able to do this? Or is Revelation so different that this has no meaning for the book of Revelation? 14, eight and 9. He says, If we live, we live to the Lord. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to who? To the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life. What happened? He died, but he He returned to life. How many of you understand if you die, you're going to return to life? so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. No matter if I'm alive or if I'm dead, I belong to who? To the Lord. I'm in his hands. I'm his. Whether I'm living, I live for him. And even in dying, I'm going to live for him. For whether I'm living or dead, I belong to him. How many of us really believe that? Now apply that into the book of Revelation. Now also go to 1 John chapter 4. And I want you to understand something. The people of Revelation most likely had this Bible or had heard about this Bible. And this is it's so important Sometime of Drilling it into our kids. Now, drilling is, boy, you're constantly stating it. You're not trying to force it. You're trying to state it, state it. The Holy Spirit has to do the work in our children, just like he does in everybody else. But if they don't hear it, there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to work on. But if you put the word out there and in their ears and in their mind, the Holy Spirit got something to work on. So in 1 John 4.4, again, is this true? Or is it false? If it's true, it carries on over into the tribulation time. And the people who are saved, who are called the saints of God, who believe in God's word, they have this promise. So the promise is simply this here. Boy, you dear children are from God. You have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What did God just announce? I'm greater than the Antichrist. I'm greater than the false prophet. I'm greater than that image. And I live in you. Greater is he that is in you and he that is in the world so when you get ready to put this together no matter what satan is doing you got one who is greater you got one who is more powerful you got one who don't have some authority but have all authority and he says he's greater now if you really believe that that your god is greater than your enemy or whatever you're facing, does that encourage you? Does that give you a confidence to stand? Does that give you strength in the inner person? When you truly believe greater is he that is in me, then that's what I am confronting out here. That's what the saints of the tribulation also have to believe just like we have to believe it if we're going to overcome. Now, why? Why would they be able to stand? And that was my question I was asking myself. Why would these saints in the Time of tribulation, who face beheadedness, who face not having, not able to buy, not able to sell, not able to provide what they needed, but they have a God who provides what they need. And sometimes we get fearful because we think, I'm not going to be able to provide for myself. I always felt that way myself, I always had to own something. So even when I came out of school, I couldn't afford to buy a home, and the church rented us an apartment, and next to the apartment, in the back, was a piece of land, and I went to the bank, found out I could buy that land for $500. I bought that land, and I told Elaine, well, if the church don't work out, or we get kicked out the church, or this don't happen, we can go sleep in our car on that property, always providing you know, or, but God has always provided and he continues to provide and he has to provide for these saints in the time of tribulation why? go to revelations chapter 5 and I like this because many of these verses are found in revelations in revelations 5 in verse 9 he simply says why And they sung a new song. You are worthy to take the stroll. And to open its seal. Because you were slain. And with your blood. Now catch this. With your blood. You purchase men for God. I've been purchased by what? The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been purchased by the blood. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then He tells me, for what? You know, He goes on down there and He says, purchase, and and you've been slain, and with your blood you purchase men. Here's the purpose for God. You've been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ for one purpose for God. Not that you have a better life. Not that you have more money, not that you have a bigger house, not that you be accepted among the world and you're successful, but for one purpose, one purpose only, for God. Now what God does with you, that's between you and God. I never saw myself as a pastor. The only thing I wanted to do was be a good sheet metal man, a good furnace repair man, a good installer of ductwork. With heating and air conditioning. All I wanted to do. And I even told people. I'm going to be retired by 50. And I'm going to have my own business. I bought my shop equipment. I'm ready to go. I'm doing it. I'm working at it. And God just messed my plans up. By calling me into the ministry. Retired at 50. Went out the window. And here I am 76 and still working. But but the whole the whole process for God. For God. And I have to understand, you have to understand, you've been purchased with the blood of Christ for God. Not for your success, not for this, not for that, but for God. And those saints, during the time of tribulation, they have to be be saved in the same manner we were saved. By the blood of Jesus Christ. For what purpose? For God. And God can do anything he wants to do with them. And many of them are going to die as martyrs being beheaded. And most of us in this room say, I want to die that way. I I just want to die just on my pillow. And yet, all they have is God's word to hold on to. Word. Go over to Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. Yeah, chapter 12 and verse 17. This is what he's going to say again here. Let me get that chapter 12 here. He says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman. Now the woman here is Israel. Israel brought forth the child, Jesus. If you didn't know it, Jesus was Jewish. And it says, the woman, the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offsprings. Who's the offspring? The children of Abraham, the children of faith, those who would believe, those who would accept the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are called Christians and saints and the children of God, went off to make war against them, to fight against them, their offsprings. And he's fighting us now. The only thing different, we're not catching the full effect the full effect comes from Satan when the Holy Spirit's hand is removed and Satan can do anything he wants to do. That's what we see in the book of Revelation and Tribulation. The Holy Spirit's hand's been removed from withholding the outpour of Satan. Satan can do a little bit right now, but he's on a leash. He do only go so far. But there's going to come time he can go much further. Because the hand of the Holy Spirit's been removed. And it's going to go after the offsprings at that time. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Went off to make war against the rest of the offsprings. Now catch this. This is strange here. Catch this next part of this verse. Those who obey God's commandments and hold to his testimony of Jesus. And what we're going to hear here in a little bit is, boy, what did these saints hold to? What did they really hold to? What, what was it that kept them? Go back up, if you would, and let's pick up in verse 11 of chapter 12. Here's how they overcome. They overcame him the Antichrist, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. By the word of what? Their testimony. What was their testimony about? The word of God. Their testimony was about the word of God that they were able to speak the word of God to their enemy, even though the enemy was about to slay them, they were able in confidence to share God's word. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives, catch this, they did not love their lives so much as to string from death, they weren't running from it they weren't running from it how many of us would run from it how many of us might even say and and reason it out no, I don't know Jesus, I haven't accepted Jesus and then boy, they let us go and we take off and we look up we say Lord, you know my heart but he heard your mouth too And you're right, God really does know the heart. And the issues of life coming from where? The heart. And he said, they did not even love their own life unto death. That's powerful. When you're not scared to die, that's strength. That's power. Because what can they do with you but kill the body? And the Lord says, Fear not him who can only, what? Kill the body, but can take body and soul and cast into hell. That's the one you fear. And in Revelation, it tells us how they stood. They stood on the word of their testimony. Of the word of God. And they knew they were purchased by the blood of Christ. For what? For the purpose of God. Do you understand that you live for God? You don't live for self. You don't live for neighbor. You don't live for children. You really don't live for the wife or the husband. Your first purpose is to live for God. And all those other things fall in their proper place. Go over to 14.12. 14.12. And listen to what he says. Chapter 14 and verse 12. This calls for patience. Who is he speaking to? His own people. This calls for patience. And then he says, endurance. Strength. You're able to last. You're able to perform. You're able to do. Yes, you're tired. Yes, you're worn. Yes, you're fearful. Yes, you're being threatened. Yes, you can't buy anything. Yes, you don't have enough food. But yet, somehow, you got peanut butter and jelly. Praise God. And he says, this calls for patience and endurance on the part of who? The saints not the unbeliever, but the believer. Now, catch this, because this is where we struggle at as saints who obey God's commandment and remain faithful to Jesus. Put those two things together. You cannot really remain faithful to the Lord and not obey him. People want to say, Oh, I don't obey him, but I'm faithful to him. I love him. No, you don't. Why? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And again, he is, he's putting two things together. If you really love me... You'll obey me, and in your obedience, your faithfulness shows forth. Your faithfulness shows forth. But you cannot be faithful without being obedient. Run over to chapter 19, 1910. I said, all these verses are found right here in in Revelation, and and these verses are to the saints that are going through whatever they're going through at that time. So in 1910, he simply says, at this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, do not do it, I am a fellow servant with you. And with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Here is John. John was taken up by the angel. And the angel is leading John. And John falls down to worship the angel. And the angel says, don't do it. You don't worship me. The only thing we worship is Jesus Christ and him alone. No one else shed their blood for us. No one else died for us. No one else arose for us. No one else sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Only Jesus. And he says, At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The only one who can truly bring prophecy to pass is who? Is God. God, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, said if you want to know if a prophet is really for me, one test. He speaks and it comes to pass. <laughs> he speaks and it comes to pass. Today, we got a lot of people prophesying, but not much coming to pass. But when the prophets speak, God brings it to pass. Now, last one over in 24. Revelations 20, verse 4. Then we got to hit just one more area if you give me a little extra time. He says. I saw the thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. Who are the ones being beheaded? The saints. They're not dying because of the plague. They're not dying because of the earthquakes and everything else. And I'm not saying that's an absolute. Because whether I live, Or whether I die, I belong to who? To God. But what the scripture is bringing out is this the majority of saints who are going to die are going to die because they're being beheaded or martyred by the Antichrist. That's how they're dying. Not so much by the plagues and everything else that's taking place, because, see, we're not appointed to God's wrath. The unbeliever is, not the believer. And somehow God keeps us. That don't mean I don't suffer some. That don't mean I don't feel the pressure. That don't mean I might not lose my home and I might be living out in a tent in the woods or, or I may not be able to eat how I've been accustomed of eating. I don't have a freezer full of food. But somehow day by day, God gives me my daily bread. God takes care of me. He provides. And he says, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. Follow with me a little closer. Because of their what? What's your testimony? Are you ashamed of Christ? Are you ashamed to live for Christ? Are you ashamed, as that old record say, hit the road, Jack, hit the road, miss? I mean, somewhere there's some standards. Don't be ashamed because you don't have the latest suit or the latest dress. That's not what God promised you. He promised that you'll be clothed. Not with the newest fad or the newest this or the newest that or the newest car. But that he'll provide for you. And he says, because of their testimony for Jesus. Now catch this second part. And because of the word of God. They stood on the word. They would not back up. They would not recant. They would not renounce Jesus. They stood on the word. And they lost their life. They lost their life. Not because of a plague. Not because of something else. The trumpets. They lost their life based on the very fact they stood for Jesus Christ. If some of us were in some other countries, would you really stand for the Lord? If you were in some parts of India where Hinduism and many other things dominate, would you really stand for Jesus Christ? If you were in some Arab land, would you still pray? Would you still read your Bible? even though it's against the law for you to read the Bible, would you do it? And if the opportunity came, not that you went out on the street and you're just starting to witness about Jesus, but if somebody came and asked you about Jesus, would you tell them? How far would you go putting your life at risk that Jesus might be known? That's something we all have to answer. And the second reason, just let me hit a couple of these because I'm already late. And, and thank you for giving me the extra time. See, I can't blame it on Dick; it has to be on me. No, not on me either. Thank you, Lord. It's on y'all. Y'all took long, too long to bless. <laughs> <laughs> but in Exodus thirty-two, thirty-two. We'll just hit three of these, and you can look up the rest of them. But in Exodus 32, it's the first time that we hear about this thing called the book of life, and, um, or this book that God keeps. And we need to be mindful. God keeps books, and God keeps good records. And it's an accounting term when it talks about the books and so forth. Because an accounting has to keep what? Good books, good records. So in verse 32, he says, But now Moses is talking because the people of Israel have sinned. And Moses is making this request, if you look up in verse 31, but for time's sake, we're going strictly to 32. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Moses was knowledgeable of a book. We call it the Lamb's Book of Life, or the Book of Life. And he says now, Lord, before you destroy all of them, destroy me. Now, that's the answer Sometime. For leadership. If anybody's going to suffer, the first one who should really suffer should be who? Leadership. Why? The example always comes from leadership. That's why Jesus Christ, as the head of our church, suffers and goes through the things that he goes through that we might also take courage and be able to go through them also. Somebody can spit on me and I don't have to retaliate. Somebody can slap me and I don't have to retaliate. Somebody can cuss at me. I don't have to cuss back at them. Why? I have an example in who? In Jesus. And he says, Lord, take me out of the book. Now, what makes this so powerful In Romans chapter 9, Paul says the same thing. Lord, I'll go to hell for all Israel. I'll go to hell for all Israel. Now, now, the Lord hasn't put that on my heart about (laughs) y'all. But that's not saying that I'm not called to suffer as a leader sometimes. And to intercede. Two more verses and we're done. Let's go over to Philippians 4 3. Philippians 4 3. And like I said, when you go home, take a look at them. Philippians 4 3. Because he's talking about this book and we need to see. And you need to ask this question. Is your name written in that book? Is your name written in the book? And if it's not, the way you get it there is through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. So in 4.3 he says, Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellows, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Along with Clemens and the rest of my fellow workers. Now catch this. Whose names are in the book of life. Whose names are where? In the book of is your name, do you know for sure that your name is in the book of life? Do you know that? Melvin hit a verse this morning and and, and, and I wrote down in my final when he was talking about about John the Baptist in Luke, where he's talking about the greatest, and Jesus says, among women, John the Baptist is the greatest. But in the kingdom of God, the least is the greatest. When he says woman, he's talking about earth. In this world, John the Baptist, there's none like him. He is the greatest. But then he says, kingdom of God. Now question, how do you get into the kingdom of God? Have to be born from above. He says, then in the kingdom of God, even the least... Is greater than John the Baptist. He changes the whole setting. From earthly plane. None greater than John the Baptist. But a kingdom plane. The least. Is great. And boy. that, That thing just jumped out. Two different. Areas. Two different arenas. The kingdom and earth. Now. Last one. Revelations, I want to go 21, yeah, let's go 21, 21, 27, Uh, we're right there at the end. And then you really get a chance, read Daniel chapter 12, all four verses, break it down, there are some important information in there, in verse 27, he simply says, Boy, nothing impure. Nothing what? Impure. Is there any one of us in here that is pure? In and of ourselves, no. Being justified by Jesus Christ, washed in his blood, I'm pure. He says, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. None of that will enter into the kingdom of God. But only those, catch this, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, those who are saved by the blood of Christ, Those who know that they are the children of God. Those who know that they are saints. Those who know that they keep God's word and they love his word. Those who know that their names are written in the Lamb's book of heaven. Those who know, who know, who know, who know that they're saved, Are not fearful of the tribulation. Because God is the one. Who keeps us. Just like he keeps us. Now. Why? We've been purchased by the blood of his son. What's the purpose? For him. We keep. The testimony. Of his word. And we follow his commands. And our names have already been written. Written in the book of life. And if your name is not written in the book of life, you can have it put there today by simply saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord, become Lord of my life. Lord, I'm yours. I repent of my sins, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. It's not hard. It's not frightening. But it's one of those things in life that must be done if you're going to see the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that in the book of Revelation, we need not to be fearful of it. We need not to be scared of it. Because, Lord, whoever will be in that time, and if they're saved... All the promises that you have given to us will also apply to them. That word that you said, Lord, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, it's just not for church age, it's for the saints of God, it's for the people of God, it's for those who will live for you and die for you. That you'll never leave them nor forsake them. And Lord, we thank you. Minister to us, Lord. Let us not be fearful of your coming. But may we say as the word says, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Knowing all these things have to happen. Knowing all these things have to come to pass. Knowing all these things usher in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. Go. Yeah. you to believe and know the saints in the tribulation have that power they have to lean on who the Lord I want you to understand you have that power right now and all you have to do is what lean on the Lord lean not on your own understanding on yourself But lean on the Lord. He don't mind it. Lean on him. Use him up. Use him. He wants you to. Father, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness to us. And we thank you, Lord, that you're there for us. But teach us that, Lord. No matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening in our life, you're there for us you're there and you said it in your word that if you would not withhold Jesus from dying for us, what good thing would you withhold from us? Nothing. For you gave us your son. You gave us Jesus that we might have eternal life. What is it that you would hold back from us that we have need of? Lord, prove yourself over and over and over and over and over again to us that, Lord, you're there for us. As we leave this place, help us to leave with the confidence that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world.
1: And we'll give you the praise
0: and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: You're dismissed. Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost.